Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Colossians. Kids, you are dismissed for your class. Colossians, one of the letters that Paul wrote from jail to a group of believers that he had never met. Many of the books that we have, many of the letters that we have, Paul had spent time there. He spent three years in Ephesus. He spent time with the Philippians. He was especially fond of them, and there was a bond there because they were so faithful to the Lord. But the church in Colossae, Paul apparently had never visited after it, would be, after it had been formed. He had been in the area a lot, uh, but for some reason, and we know there's one time the Lord constrained him from doing it, he had never been to this church. He didn't establish it. It was established by his um, partner in ministry, Epaphras. And Paul knew really only about the church because of his friendship and his ministry with Epaphras. But Paul was a man who was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was led by the Holy Spirit. And he had such a heart for people and a heart for ministry. uh, And a desire that people would know the gospel. And that people would know and love Jesus Christ. uh, That he had a, a special understanding. He had a a unique awareness of what was going on and what was happening in people's lives and how to minister to them. It's it's an incredible combination and a powerful combination when we are full of the Spirit and have a heart for people. Those two things combined will make ministry powerful because when we love the Lord and we're surrendered to the Lord and then our focus turns not on ourselves but onto others, that's when the Lord really begins to work. And that's what Paul was. And Paul heard from the Lord. He had an understanding. This is not something strange or unique. Every one of us can experience this. He he heard from the Lord. He understood uh, what the Lord wanted and what the Lord was speaking. And he studied God's word and he was able to interpret it and understand it as we've seen we all are able to do. But he really discerned what the Spirit wanted and what the Spirit wanted him to say. And Paul was not scared of speaking the truth, was he? He was direct. He was forthright. He was uncompromising. He was full of conviction. Always tempered by love. Always tempered by mercy. He's the one who says, speak the truth in love. Truth that is not in love is harsh. Truth uh, that is not, uh, truth that is compromised but has too much love is weak. There has to be truth with love. And Paul spoke truth. He didn't back down from his convictions. So even as he doesn't really know the people in Colossae, even though he hadn't been in the church, he hadn't spoken there, he hadn't prayed with them, he still was aware of what was going on and he had a real affinity for these people. And really that's that's may sound kind of cliched, but Paul really viewed uh, the family of believers as that, a family. He had a great love for the body and he knew that we are co-laborers together in the work of the gospel. Anybody in this room that's a believer this morning, we're co-laborers. We we work together for the sake of the gospel. And Paul's focus on that was so sharp that he didn't allow himself to be distracted. He didn't fall back into pride. We don't ever see that in his writing. He didn't get caught up in the pettiness and the and the little junk that tends to preoccupy us and tends to divide us. He didn't get caught up in that. In fact, he spoke against it and said, this is distracting you and this is hurting you. Where the debate was theological, he addressed it biblically. He went right after it. He said, this is what God says. This is what the, the, the scripture says. We need to live by this. He did never compromised on the word. 
But when the, when the attack and when the debate was a matter of opinion, he confronted pride and he went after everything that was causing division. And he called people to get their hearts back on Christ and back on ministry. So Paul really has a great awareness of the challenges that are facing this church as it grows. And as he writes to these churches in Asia Minor, in five of the seven that he writes to, there was internal conflict. There were things going on within the body that needed to be addressed. And then for all seven, there was external conflict. There was attack and opposition and a growing resistance against the gospel. And Paul writes about that, encourages uh, those that are serving and those believers that the work of ministry is hard. We need to understand that this morning, that the work of ministry is hard. If for no other reason than because of the pervasive spiritual conflict that is constantly against us and constantly pushing as the enemy attacks from all sides. And his goal really is to constantly undermine and discourage and distract and persuade us as believers that it's not worth it to live for Jesus Christ. He wants to constantly go after the thought that that serving Christ, loving Christ, walking with Christ, living for Christ, it's not worth it. It's too hard. There's too much opposition. It's going to put you on the outs. It's going to have to make you be disciplined in your life. That, that it's too much. That's what he's attacking. And Paul says, no, we're not going to fall for that. Because even though that attack can be disheartening, there is a tremendous spiritual resource that the Lord has given us to help us. Let's read about it this morning. Just four verses start in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 3, and then we'll pop over to chapter 4. Paul writes, Colossians 1, 3, We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. Now drop over to chapter 4 and verse 2. As he's closing up this letter, he writes and says, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Now go over to verse 12. Epaphras, who's one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greeting. This is the phrase we're going to key in on this morning. Always laboring earnest for you in his prayers that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. Now, there are three sentences here that have tremendous power. The first one is where he says, we are praying always for you. Second one is, devote yourselves to prayer. And the third is, Epaphras is always laboring earnestly for you in his prayer. Now, in those three sentences, even those three, these three phrases, the Holy Spirit is revealing to us the greatest Secret of spiritual strength. The greatest secret of spiritual strength is prayer. Prayer is the source of this incredible power that God gives us at our disposal. And it not only increases our faith, but at the same time, it unleashes the work of God and it backs down the enemy. Let me say that again. Prayer increases our faith, unleashes the work of God, and backs down our enemy. And yet it is the thing that we are most uncertain in and most insecure about. Why is that? Those two things don't fit. The Lord has given us prayer as this amazing, 
offensive and defensive weapon, but we underutilize it, and frankly, we're just a little bit scared of it. So as we've started this series, which is called It's Time, it's time to get serious about our faith and mature in our walk, I want to suggest this morning, I don't want to suggest it, I want to just say to us and say to myself this morning, it is time to see prayer in a fresh and exciting way. And it starts right here in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 3. Notice the complete confidence Paul has when he says, I'm giving thanks to the Father. I'm at the throne of grace only because of the work of Jesus Christ. And I am praying for you, Colossians, without any uncertainty and any hesitation. Now, you can only pray like that when you are sure of the one that you're calling on. And you can only pray like that when you are certain that the one you are calling on is granting you an audience and you are being taken seriously. And Paul is not only certain of that, it's what motivates him to pray. It shows in the word choice that he uses. The Greek word he uses here indicates a total awareness of being in the presence of the Almighty. Let's say that a different way. Paul knows that when he prays, he has a face-to-face audience with the God of the universe. Think about that for a minute. Don't let that slide by. Paul knows that when we pray, we go into the face-to-face presence of Almighty God who controls and orders everything, and God stands there and says, I'm ready to listen. What a tremendous thought that is. And it's only possible because of the work of Jesus Christ, who has torn down the veil and opened the way of access, securing salvation for us forever, and saying, now you have direct access to me. And when you come, you come boldly. Don't, don't. We should do that. We'll talk about that in a minute because of the power of God. But he says, when you walk in, I've created access for you. You're my child. I own you. Your life is mine. I've secured you and bought you with a price. So when you come to me, you come boldly. You walk up to me and you say, oh, Lord, you're so wonderful. You're so wonderful. I'm so grateful to be in your presence. And I'm so honored that you allow me to be here. Listen, this is one of the most magnificent realities that we have as Christians. To be invited on a continuous basis to go into the presence of the Lord of all and to be welcomed as his children presented by Christ and to receive strength and provision and blessing from him. Now, why would we neglect so great a gift? Prayer has an incredible power for our lives that we can't afford to ignore or neglect any longer. But, but why, do me? Let me, why do we? Let me give you two reasons this morning. First of all, I think one of the reasons we neglect prayer is that we don't realize how much we need its power. So we don't make it a priority. I heard a pastor say recently that the New, Chest, New Testament church didn't look at prayer like we do. It wasn't the last thing they did. It was the first thing. And they did that because they were so desperate for the Lord's power and leading, they knew they had no chance without it. Now, some of you are in that place this morning. Some of you are discovering just 
how precious God's presence is and how faithfully he provides. Because right now you're in crisis and all you can do is say, God, help me. And God is providing. And you're going to look back, and I've told you this, you're going to look back later at this time and you're going to say, that was so precious of a time. I'm so grateful for that difficulty because I realized how wonderful God's provision and God's help is. And I'm telling you, when we get out of a trial sometimes, we look back with longing like, I wish I could be in the trial again. There are times in my life I look back on and go, I kind of miss when I had no hope because that's when I knew that God was everything. But when things are going great, we get very sufficient in ourselves and we stop calling on his name. So a lot of times we don't realize we need that power. Second reason is, is that we don't view it as very easy. And the reality is, in many times, prayer is not easy. Look back at chapter 2, verse 1. Paul says, you don't know how great my struggle is for you. In other words, I feel in my gut what's going on with you, even though I've never met you. And I have such a strong desire. I have such a great burden in my heart that you would mature in Christ and be encouraged, and I'm laboring for you, and I'm struggling for you, and I'm praying for you, and, and I'm, I'm thinking about you, Colossians, constantly. But when we do that, it has a cost. It put Paul right in the middle of the spiritual battle. Look at what he says about Epaphras in chapter 4, verse 12. He says, he's always laboring earnestly for you. The concept's kind of magnified here because that word laboring literally means to wrestle. In other words, Epaphras, who's one of you, he's, he's not only a believer, but he's a Colossian. He helped establish this church that you're in. And now he's laboring for you. He's wrestling for you. He's in the arena going against the enemy, trying to throw the enemy to the ground. He's doing hard work on your behalf, not preparing sermons and not, not, not writing theological letters and not running programs for kids. He's, he's laboring, and we don't often think of this, He's laboring and wrestling just by praying. He's in the labor room for you. He's, he's, he's fighting. He's, he's there in the stadium and he's battling. Now, the good thing is the Lord is always our help and strength, right? We just sang it. He's always there fighting for us, but there's work that we have. And as we pray, we face multiple levels of resistance to prayer, discouragement, Lack of motivation, doubt, distractions. Sometimes we just, we just don't want to make the effort. That's very human, right? How many of you had times where you don't feel like praying? Come on, you can admit that, right? I don't feel like praying today. I, I don't, I don't want to. Or when you're praying, your mind goes off on a tangent and pretty soon you're nine miles from where you started. Anybody ever experienced that? It's so frustrating, isn't it? All weekend as I'm praying, my mind just... Or you fight the feeling that prayer doesn't make a difference. You're exercising your faith, but you feel like you're battling against the wind and you're not, you're not getting anywhere. Listen, prayer can be hard work. But God only uses people when they're working hard. God never uses lazy people. He always uses people that are working hard. And the enemy is going to be fighting it. The reason prayer is hard is because there is always spiritual opposition. The enemy is firmly against us when we pray, and that should tell us a lot. 
So when we don't pray, when we don't utilize this resource that God's given us, we, we essentially are backing down to the devil, whether it's intentionally or passively. The net effect is the same. The devil's tempting us and his temptation gains traction. But when we do pray, listen now, all the resources of heaven are at work. Yes, God is sovereign. Yes, God knows everything. Yes, God already knows what we're going to pray. He already knows what our needs are. I'll grant you all that. But there is something about prayer that when we call on him, we open ourselves up to what the Lord wants to give to us, whether it's more wisdom or additional blessing or deeper faith or greater awareness of a power or or whatever it may be. There is always going to be a benefit. Anytime we go to the presence of the Lord, there is going to be a benefit. In fact, the Lord reminded me, this week of at least 11 significant blessings that we personally experience as a result of praying. And I want to give these to you like a minute each, okay? If I go past 1030, it's okay because we started a half hour later, just in case you're watching your watch, right? Let's write these down. Come on, let's interact with the text this morning, a little, little classroom time. There are 11 at least, I'm sure there are many more, at least 11 significant blessings that we experience when we pray. This is very basic, very practical this morning, but but I think this will encourage us. And I think it will strengthen us and stir us to pray more, okay? Why do we pray? First of all, the Lord loves our prayers. That should be reason enough. If there's something we do that the Lord loves, we should do it. So the Lord loves our prayers. It's an amazing concept we've studied before. Revelation 5.8 says, When Jesus had taken the book, The four living creatures, the 24 elders, fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Prayer is so precious to God. It is so important to Him when we pray that He stores those prayers in golden bowls. Gold represents purity. He holds those prayers in golden bowls, and those are a sweet aroma to Him. Have you ever been away from your spouse or your kids for a long period of time and, you, and you're missing them deeply and you find a piece of their clothing and you kind of go and, and it has their aroma on it. I'm talking good aromas, not like, you know, hockey bag stink, which is another level of aroma. But you kind of just, and you, and you feel like, oh, they're not here, but I just, I, I'm in their presence right now. That's the concept here. Our prayers are like incense to the Lord. They are the evidence to Him that we have been in His presence. They are the proof that we have been there calling on His name dependently. And let me tell you, He loves that. Now let that just sink in, just for a minute. Just just think about that. He loves it when we call on Him. He loves it when we come into his presence. If he didn't, he wouldn't say, come boldly. He'd be begrudging about it. Okay, come on, Rhodes. What do you got now? A bunch of requests. Haven't been living for me quite like you should, have you? But you got a bunch of things for me to solve, right? All right, come on. Does God ever do that? Rhodes, you're so messed up. You're so messed up. But you know what? You're clean. You're clean because of Christ. Come here. 
fellowship with me. I, I love it when you're here. Come, come be with me. Come on, that's magnificent this morning. The Lord loves it when we're in His presence. And that brings such a greater value to prayer. Second, being in His presence fills us with awe. When we approach Him, we have to recognize that we have no right to be there apart from Christ. And that only humbles us, but it reminds us of just how awesome and how magnificent He is. In Isaiah 6, the prophet has a vision of heaven and he sees the Lord sitting high on His throne, high and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temples. And all around him are the higher angels, the seraphim. The seraphim were the ones who imparted spiritual fire from God to cleanse people from impurity. But the seraphim who have this role, all they can do are stand around God and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. They, they just fly around heaven saying that. And Isaiah says, as I saw this, the foundations of heaven trembled and the temple filled with smoke. And I said, woe of me, I am ruined. I'm worthless to be here. I have no right. I'm a man of unclean lips, but my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts. And he praises God. That should be our thought when we pray. Prayer should never be flippant. And casual, like we're talking to our buddy at the game. Hey, what's happening? How you doing? Good to see you. No, we're praying to the God of all. And it should give us perspective that as we approach the throne of grace, we're supposed to approach it humbly because of how great he is and how worthless we are, except we have worth because he's put value on us. Third, another benefit of prayer is it reminds us of God's grace. Simply being able to approach Him is a miracle provided by Christ's sacrifice. Being able to confess our sins and receive forgiveness has literally changed our lives. We're so undeserved of being washed from our sin and we're so undeserved of having righteousness put on us and we're so undeserving of being filled with the Holy Spirit. But that's what God does for us by His love and mercy. And when we pray, He says, make sure you understand what I have done Because as you come to me aware of my grace, it will change how grateful you are to me and it will change the way you talk to me. Number four, prayer produces a closer, deeper relationship with the Lord. I don't know if you remember the ad about 15 years ago. Some of the uh, people in an office are standing around uh, in a a conference room and the manager walk in and he says, we're losing customers. We're, 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 We're not connecting with them. We're not calling them. And it's time for us to go reconnect with our customers. I think it was for United or some. And he hands every person a plane ticket. And he says, go visit your customers. Go have face-to-face time. Well, that's what prayer does. I thought about that as I read Colossians 1.3. Because prayer puts us in the Lord's presence. And there is nothing better than that. Technology makes our life so convenient. And so wonderful, but I believe that the more we're on it, the more it wakes us aware that there is no substitute for talking in person. And prayer does that unlike anything else. Like we studied last week, it gets us back to the basis of just being in His presence and appreciating Him. I was uh, riding my bike on Friday. I had to get some exercise because I'm becoming a slug. And Julia and the kids were out of town or at school. And so I thought, oh, I'm just going to ride my bike. Gorgeous day. And I, I rode down 
uh, to Hobnob. Everyone knows where Hobnob is, right? And I just, I just sat on the hill underneath the willow tree, and I just looked at the, at the lake. The, the sun was magnificent coming across the lake, and the waves were coming in. Clouds were beautiful. And I just sat there and just spent time, like we talked about last Sunday. It was hard to do that, right? Just spent time in God's presence and started to pray, and the devil tried to distract. And then I had to say, Lord, help me. Help me to pray. And I thought how great the Lord is and how wonderful He is and how He knows every single drop of water and He knows every blade of grass and He knows every leaf of that tree. And that's just the little tiny spot in the vastness of the universe. And He saw me sitting there and He said, that's my child. I died for you. And it produced such a deeper love for Him and a deeper appreciation for Him And I thought, how great is God? How great is our Lord? When we come into His presence, it deepens our relationship with Him. Fifth, the fact that He draws near to us when we approach Him means that we're going to be encouraged anytime we pray. This thought really hit me this week. We are going to be encouraged anytime we pray. I mean, we're never going to go into His presence and be discouraged, right? How many know that's true? You're never going to go in the presence of God and go, well, that was worthless. Boy, God's not sufficient at all. He didn't help me at all. That was just depressing. Try this. Anytime you go into the presence of the Lord, you will never be discouraged because he never leaves us, never fails us, never forsakes us. And his grace is always sufficient for our needs. David said in his presence, you know, the rest of the verse is what? Fullness of joy. Not partial joy, not some joy, not a little kick, not a little help, not I feel a little better. In His presence, when we pray, there is fullness of joy. So anytime we go to Him in prayer, we are going to be encouraged in our mind and in our spirit. It's true in worship, when we worship Him with all our hearts and don't think about ourselves. It's true when we study, because the Word builds us up. But it is most true in prayer. And if you're discouraged this morning or you haven't been feeling close to the Lord lately, I want to say something very carefully and very lovingly. I promise you that the biggest reason why you're discouraged or don't feel close to the Lord is because you haven't been spending enough time in His presence in prayer. And I want to encourage you this morning when this service is done, I want to encourage you to come up here and I'll pray with you or a member of the prayer band will pray with you. It is always open here after the service. So you can just be reminded of how wonderful the Lord is and how he hears us when we call. Number six, I got to hurry. Prayer is beneficial because it is the place where we surrender control. Uh Uh-oh, that one's hard. Prayer is beneficial because it is the place where we surrender control. This is one of the main reasons why people don't pray. Because we are not willing to yield to him and have things taken out of our hands. And if we are not willing to yield to him and have things taken out of our hands, there is no point in praying. But when we do that, there is unbelievable power. Because we are taking control and saying, I don't want it. I don't deserve it. I can't do anything with it. I don't need it. Lord, it is all yours. You are the one who deserves control. You are the one that is all wise. You are the one that knows what is right. 
You are the one that knows what is beneficial to me. So I am going to take it out of my hands and I'm going to put it in your hands. This is why prayer is so valuable. And yet we fight it, don't we? Pride will always keep us from prayer. But prayer will always diminish our pride. Pride will always keep us from prayer. But prayer will always diminish our pride. That's why it's so important and why chapter 4, verse 2, it must have such a huge priority in our lives. We need to devote ourselves to prayer. Not pray once in a while. We need to devote ourselves to it. Because it leads us to submit to the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, Acts 1.8 says, when we submit to the Holy Spirit, we receive power and strength. Number seven, once we yield control and ask Him for help, the Lord is faithful to answer prayer. Have you ever had a time where you took something to the Lord that seemed next to impossible and God answered your prayer? How much does that build our confidence in Him? See, the more we trust and the more we submit our will and needs to Him, the more He shows Himself supremely faithful and unbelievably gracious. And it reminds us of His constant sufficiency in our lives. The fact that He has the power to literally change lives, whether it's saving somebody from their sins, like he did for three teenagers on Friday night, whether it means healing people from their disease, whether it means reconciling a bad marriage, whether it means bringing back a child who has strayed, whether it means unifying a church, whatever the case may be, he can do it and he will do it when we call on his name with unwavering trust. He can do it and he will do it when we trust him. And that leads to the eighth benefit of prayer. You're still with me, right? Prayer builds up our faith. This is where I really want to focus just for a couple minutes on chapter 4, verse 12. Because what are the things we wrestle most with in our lives? What are the things that our minds are, are stirred with this morning? Fear and anxiety and insecurity and uncertainty and weakness against temptation and weakness against the enemy, and pride, and so many other things. They're all doing battle against our faith, but we have to be determined to fight them hard. And the main battleground, where it all comes down together, is in the area of prayer. Now that's why, look back at the verse, that's why Paul says that Epaphras labors earnestly. He's wrestling for you, Colossians. He's, he's fighting for you in prayer that you would stand firm in your faith. There are so many influences that were going after them. There are so many influences that are going after us. So many things that are appealing to our hearts and our minds. So many things that are trying to rip us away from our faith. So he says, we've got to get in the arena. We've got to fight the enemy. We've got to pray for him to be thrown down. Because we know the Lord is helping us. We know the Lord is victorious again and again. So we need to get in there and fight. So Colossians, your buddy Epaphras, who you know, he grew up there. He's my compatriot in ministry. He's, he's laboring for you. He's calling on the Lord's name for you. And it's a battle. It's a wrestle. But Epaphras knew that when we trust the Lord and we surrender ourselves to him in prayer, the Lord will bless our faith. Hebrews 10 says, don't throw away your confidence now because it has great reward. 
When you call on the name of the Lord, call on him by faith because he will help. It's what the choir sang about this morning. I'm so glad we did that song. That was of the Lord because the words are powerful. My foes are many. They rise against me, but I'll hold my ground. I will not fear the war. I'll not fear the storm. My help is on the way. I will not fear his promise is true. My God will come through always. How many affirm that this morning? My God will come through always. So what do I do? I lift my eyes up. Why? Because my help comes from the Lord. What's the opposite of your eyes looking up? It's your eyes looking down. The Bible says, soul, why are you downcast? In other words, why are you looking down? Like, oh, I don't know what to do. Lift your eyes up. Your help is from the Lord. He will help. He's our strength. He's our salvation. He's our sufficiency. He's fighting for us. Always. Never a moment where God's not fighting for you. Never a moment where God takes a break. Like Elijah taunted the prophets of Baal. What? What's your God on vacation? Is he going to the bathroom? Where is he today? Six hours you guys have been dancing around, cutting yourselves, looking like a bunch of idiots. Where is your God? Let me show you where my God is. God, show them. God's help is always there. And when we pray, it builds up our faith. Number nine, as we trust in him, he continues to teach us and lead us through prayer. The spirit communicates to us what is best, what to avoid, what he wants us to do. So our time in his presence can't just be us going on and on. There are times where we need to just be quiet. Listen, as I sat by the lake Friday, I just sat and listened. So many things on my mind, so many things in my heart. I was churning. I had a lot of things to do. A lot of... (laughs) God said, just sit there and be quiet. Just look. Just be in my presence. Now, that's a hard discipline for us because we're on information overload and, and we don't want to miss anything and we've got to make sure we're, we're, we're kind of catching up and what's going on, who's saying what. Listen, just take some time this week to be quiet and listen to his voice. And that's if that seems mystical or weird or you some, somehow say, I don't know how to discern that, just remember that Jesus said, my sheep hear me and they know my voice. If you will be quiet, I will talk to you And you will hear it. Let's get to the last two. Number 10. Prayer damages the enemy's work. I love this one. Go to chapter 1, verse 3. When we pray, let's go over it again. We have a face-to-face audience with the God of the universe, who is also our Savior, our Lord, and our friend. Now, the enemy looks at that, and he knows how dangerous that is for him. And he can't have that. And it's no wonder that he fights it. Because he knows that believers committed to prayer will do serious pain to his kingdom. Now, we know that he doesn't want any of it. He doesn't want us to gather. He doesn't want us to praise. He doesn't want us to study God's word. He doesn't want us to fellowship. He's doing a lot of things. But let me tell you, he has seen firsthand that when people's hearts are given to prayer, his kingdom is shaken. That's why he fights it harder than anything. What has the enemy taken most out of churches? Not worship, not teaching, 
not fellowship, not programs, the thing the enemy has taken out of the church most and replaced is prayer. That's why as a church on October 30th, we're going to go back and say, God's called us to be a house of prayer. And we're going to gather each week and we're going to call on his name. Listen, this is not new. We talked about this in the upper room before the church started. That this was a priority that we needed to call in the name of the Lord. And it took us a while with the building and with all the transition and with the way to be able to do it, how to manage child care. But we're there now. And in four weeks, we're going to start and we're going to gather together. And I want to encourage you. You got a prayer card this morning. Uh, it was either in your bulletin or was handed to you. I want to encourage you, everybody, fill one of those out. You have one request this morning. I guarantee you, you have one request that we can pray for. And we're going to gather all those cards over the next four weeks, and we're going to start to labor over those on Wednesday nights. We're going to take those and we're going to say, God, this is your church, this is your people, and we're going to ask you to work. Because here's the last one, number 11. Prayer unleashes the work of God. Prayer unleashes the work of God. The Lord is waiting and he is looking for people and for a church who will call on his name. For people who are not going to be discouraged by attack, who are not going to fail when there's criticism, who are not going to be full of doubt and fear, who are not going to embrace conflict, who are not going to bail when everything gets difficult in trials, who are not going to back down from their convictions and their commitments to the Lord. He is looking for people who say, God, you are great and mighty. There is nothing like the privilege of going into your presence in prayer. And when I call, you act. So, Lord, I'm going to call. Lord, we're going to call. We're going to ask you to do a mighty work. And I was talking to Jen this week, and she said, I'm, she has such a good attitude. And she said, I'm, I'm going back, and I'm, I'm going through the Bible and looking at all the miracles that God's ever done. What an amazing study. And I said, think about all the miracles that God's done in your life and in my life. We need to keep a record of that. Can the Lord do a miracle in your life? I mean, we don't use that word often. Can the Lord do a miracle in your life? Well, we don't know unless we ask, right? Because the Lord says, here's the problem. You don't have because you don't ask. I've made everything possible. I've opened my presence to you. I'm delighted that you're here. Your prayer is so important to me that it's like a sweet smell to me. And I'm telling you, if you want, ask. If you want, ask. How could we ever squander the opportunity to see the Lord do amazing things? Epaphras, one of you, he wrestles for you. He's on the mat fighting for you. Let me ask you this morning, do you need somebody to wrestle for you? If you're here this morning and you need somebody to to wrestle in prayer for you, we have a whole group of people that's committed to pray for any request that comes through this church. Or if you come up, they'll be glad to put their arms around you and pray for you and call on the Lord with confidence. If you need that this morning, don't leave this place without doing that. Because you need to have somebody wrestle for you. But let me ask a second question. Who do you need to wrestle for? A teenager, a parent, a spouse, each other. 
Who do you and I need to get in the arena for this morning? Listen, the enemy's trying to back us down. He's trying to hit our marriages and hit our families and hit our relationships and hit our church. But the Lord says, my help is on the way. Just call on me. So is there a name this morning as I say that? Is there somebody that that comes into your mind and they say, "I I need to get on the mat for them. I need to wrestle for them in prayer because they need help. Let's close our eyes for a minute. Tony, would you come and play? Let's just take a moment in the presence of the Lord right now. We're not in a hurry. It's not even 11 o'clock yet. Right now. Let's take an assessment of our lives and an assessment of our prayer. Listen, there's not one of us that has this mastered in their lives. Not one probably the greatest area of deficiency for any of us. But it doesn't have to be. The Lord's given us almost a dozen reasons this morning why prayer is so valuable to us. This morning, maybe you're really here and you're hurting and you need somebody to intercede for you. I mean, you're just... You feel you're struggling. You, you just feel hopeless. We love to encourage you and pray for you. Are your hearts really been filled over the last few minutes with somebody you need to strive for, somebody you need to wrestle for? They need encouragement, strength. Maybe they're away from the Lord. Maybe it's a a child that's wandered from the Lord. Maybe it's your spouse. They're not walking with the Lord. Whatever it is, you need to fight for them. God doesn't ask us to do this alone. He's with us. He's helping us. His Spirit is right here in this room this morning. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And this is not something we do often. This is going to be difficult for you. If you need somebody to pray for you this morning, prayer band, I'm going to ask you to come up to the front, please. If you need somebody to pray for you, I want you to just walk up to one of these people that's going to be standing here, and they're going to pray for you. Nobody's looking right now. It doesn't matter if they are. Lord offers us help. Don't be proud now. Don't don't say why. Well, I'll feel awkward. And listen, that's not important at this point. You need the Lord's help. So I want to encourage you. If you need someone to pray for you, just get up out of your seat right now. Just come on up. Tony's just going to play for a couple minutes, and we'll end our service. Or if you have somebody that's really on your heart we don't need details we really don't even need their name but you'd like somebody to labor with you and wrestle with you for them I want to encourage you to come up and join with a member or two of the prayer band and say would you pray with me for so and so you don't need details just just ask the Lord to help them just have a little mini prayer meeting right here
still sitting there, and that's wonderful if you are. Just spend some time with the Lord. Just a couple minutes. We'll be done soon. Just to, just to, just spend some time with the Lord. Thank Him for His sufficiency. Thank Him for His goodness. Ask Him to stir in your heart a greater desire to be in His presence. To prioritize that in your life. up. There are people that will pray with you. No problem is too big for the Lord. He already knows about it. He's waiting for you to bring it to Him. come to earth and die for our sins and rise again he is more than willing and more than capable to help us with our needs the altar open. If you want to come up and request prayer, these believers are glad, glad to joy to pray with you. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for providing for all that we need and so much more. Lord, I pray if there's someone here that's just still being held back this morning that right now you would remove the enemy's influence remove any hesitation and draw them to yourself Lord what a gift it is to be able to call on your name to come boldly into your presence you are a magnificent the Lord of all how could we possibly even come anywhere near you Yet you joyfully say, come boldly to my throne of grace and I'll work. We thank you for prayer. We thank you for how it unleashes your power and how it defeats the enemy and how it 
builds our faith. And Lord, I pray again and again in the days ahead, we would become a church that loves to pray. We would become people that love to pray. Lord, that you would bless us as we begin a prayer meeting in a few weeks. That this house would be filled with prayer to you. And that, Lord, you'd work in a mighty way in our lives and in our midst. We praise you. We exalt you this morning for your greatness and your goodness. Fill us with confidence this week as we call on you. May it be a rich week in your presence. Lord, we love you. We're so grateful to you. We praise you and honor you in the name of Jesus Christ this morning. And all the church said together, Amen. You're dismissed. We're still going to have people praying up here. The altar is open. If you would like someone to pray for you or to pray with you for somebody, please feel free to do that. Otherwise, we will see you this week. God bless you and encourage you. Thank you so much for being here this morning.